Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. And we are so honored to have Mary Meyer back in studio with us. Great to be here, Denny. It's good to see you again, Mary. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. Mary Meyer is a horticultural science faculty member and the uh, extension horticulturist. She knows her stuff. In fact, uh, you and I were talking before we went on the air I could have used you on our Good Neighbor Tour to Historic Americas because people, various people in the group, we had a great group, would ask me, now, what is that? What is that? <laughs> I said, well, I, I, these are the experts. I'm not the expert. But uh, it was You've it was picked fun. up quite a bit of gardening well, skills. Well, you know, here and there, there, here and there. <laughs> but, uh, but you and I were talking also about uh, the area that we did see in Pennsylvania, some mighty pretty farm country. It's there. beautiful there, yes. Uh, You're familiar with that area. Yes, I, uh, I moved from uh, the Philadelphia area th- over 30 years ago when we came out here. And yes, just uh, west of Philadelphia is the Amish country, uh, farm country, mm-hmm. beautiful soil. Yeah. Very nice. Yes, but you're a true Minnesotan now. Now I am. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at, I mentioned this a long time ago. Uh, I'm looking at the, the book that you uh, and uh, Susan Davis Price published called 10 plants that changed minnesota yes we've had how long did it take you to do that that. well you know we had a public campaign and and the public nominated Ah. plants we had three months back in 2012 uh, with great publicity from the arboretum and we had over 500 nominations for plants and then we had a great panel of 14 distinguished people that were plant experts from industry from academia, uh, from uh, uh, historical, the historical society, uh, lots of experts weighed in, and we came up with the final 10. But the public had quite a say in that. And in the book, we we have a lot of quotes from the public, what the public said about uh, the plants. But yes, Susan and I had a lot of fun writing that. That's great. Now, is it available everywhere, basically? Yes, it's in local bookstores. You can get it at Amazon.com. You could get it over at the Historical Society Press, published it. And uh, 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 Susan has a talk on Monday um, coming up uh, about the uh, book. And I have a talk on Tuesday down at the Southdale Library. So. Yes, so there are several historical societies around the state have invited us to talk about the plant. And um, let's see, last week I was talking about the plant at our academic um, 
uh, Horticulture Professor Society because um, I teach a freshman seminar uh-huh. on this topic. And so we we were I was saying that you know any state can figure out what the ten plants are, even two plants are, and use that as a teaching tool. That's so, cool. This is yeah. great. It's a, it's a lot of fun to think about what are the ten plants. Minnesota so, Historical yeah. Society Press. Right. is the publisher on that. Just this year. It came out in uh, March. Yes. Ten plants that change Minnesota. If you, like, if you're from Minnesota, you know, I was thinking, too, the people who maybe had to move because of the job, but they miss Minnesota. Oh, and yes. And they miss gardening <laughs> in Minnesota. This would be a great gift. Yeah, there are, there are a lot of fun pictures in there from yeah. the Historical Society. So, yes, uh, and uh, through the ages, uh, certain plants like alfalfa, enabled dairying, enabled people to live through the winter. And so they had huge historic celebrations with alfalfa days, and now we have forage days and so on. Things have changed a little bit. But people appreciated plants uh, maybe more than we do today, yeah. but, but they were sustenance and livelihood and Absolutely. got them through uh, the tough Tough climatic conditions of Minnesota. Well, we're going to put you back to work here answering our <laughs> listeners' questions, either by phone or by text. Uh, this is our Lawn and Garden Show. We call it Smart Garden. And if you'd like to join in on the conversation, by the way, this show brought to us by, by the yard, patio furniture. Make the best patio furniture down near Jordan, Minnesota. We'll talk about that in a moment. 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. Let's see. Here's a text. My uh, Christmas cactus has been in uh, outside screen porch. Now has many buds on it. Should I bring it inside? Actually, you don't have to bring it inside yet. Uh, it um, Christmas cactus will often set buds with cooler weather, and we've had some cooler nights. We're getting shorter days now. So those are the two things that bring on buds with Christmas cactus. But if it's doing well uh, outside, as long as it's not going to get a frost, uh, you can leave it outside. Is there a way, Texter says, to get rid of ferns? I've dug them out. Do I need to spray a Roundup or so to keep them from coming back? Uh, One of our most aggressive ferns is the native uh, ostrich fern. Uh, Ostrich fern has an underground rhizome or stem that I think is probably the fern this person has. Um, If you can mow them off with a lawnmower, that's the easiest way. Oh, it is? Yeah, just uh, mow them off or or repeatedly cut them off. Uh, You also might want to ask your friends. Uh, This is a very desirable fern uh, so that you can dig it up and uh, transplant it quite easily. I like ferns. Yeah, it's a a great plant. All right, 81807, that's the uh, text number. Or call us, 651-989-9226. Texter says this. What would be good bulbs to plant for early spring other than tulips? It's a narrow spot. This is a perfect question for today because this is the perfect time of year to plant bulbs, the fall bulbs that will bloom in the spring. So I would suggest crocus, scillas, daffodils. Um, These scillas, the scilla is spelled S-C-I-L-L-A. Scilla is a small, uh, what we call a minor bulb, but has plenty of Uh, pollen for the uh, bees. So these early flowering bulbs are one of the things that bloom early in the spring. So daffodils are not troubled by deer. Tulips often are eaten by deer. So I would go with daffodils or some of the minor bulbs like crocus, scylla, um, or uh, chanadoxa, glory of the snow. But look for these in your garden center now because there's a big uh, array of bulbs and this is the perfect time to plant. Excellent. 
Let's go to the phones. Al is first up. You're calling uh, from Plymouth. Al, you're on with Mary. Hi. I have some uh, newly planted trees about four inches in diameter, and the deer are rubbing on them and rubbing the bark off. Should I be wrapping those? Yes. You should either wrap that with some, uh, there's a material you can buy in garden centers for that. You can also buy plastic cylinders that you can put around the base of the tree. And those cylinders should be larger than the tree itself so that there's some air circulation between the plastic cylinder and the, the bark. But yes, I would uh, put some protection on those. You'll find that as the trees grow, the bark will get uh, tougher. And it's just when the, the bark is young that you you need to protect it. Oh, okay. There you go, Al. Thanks for the call. That leaves the line open at 651-989-9226 for your lawn or garden question for Mary, or send a text. And we'll get back to that uh, text screen, too, in a moment. 81807 for your text messages. We'll take this uh, quick break. We'll be back with more Smart Garden on A3OWCCO. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden show brought to us by our by friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture. Mary Myers in studio with us helping you out today. And there is a line open if you want to use it for your lawn or garden question. 651-989-9226 or send a text at uh, 81807. We'll get back to the text messages in uh, just a moment, Mary. But uh, Marilyn is calling from Minneapolis with a question. Go ahead, Marilyn. Thank you. Yes, hello. I uh, planted some zinnias this summer, and I have many, many still um, out there, and the monarch butterflies were just swarming over the zinnias. Um, So can I leave them just standing over the winter and cut them down in the spring, or should I just cut them down all and bring them in the house for bouquets? I would leave them standing as much as uh, possible. Uh, What's going to happen, Marilyn, is the frost will kill the plants. But prior to the frost, I would leave them there for the monarch butterfly. We know zinnias are one of the best things you can plant to attract pollinators. They have that big big cluster of many, many individual flowers that are there together. So I would leave them until the frost, and then uh, once they're brown, you can cut them down. Okay, very good. Thanks, Marilyn. Jerry is calling from uh, St. Paul, I think. Hi, Jerry. What can we do for you? Hi. I have a probably a common question. I winter my geraniums in the basement over the winter time, and they turn out beautiful in the summer. If I do that again this year, am I also bringing in the Japanese beetles that will be the ones that come out next year? It's very unlikely you'll bring in Japanese beetles. Japanese beetles lay their eggs in turf grass. They feed on grass roots predominantly, so it's extremely unlikely they'll be in the soil with your geraniums. Okay. Texter wants to know, what's the best way to winter my hibiscus tree? Should I change the dirt, and when's the best time to trim it? Well, hibiscus uh, can grow year-round and flower indoors year-round. They don't need a dormant period. They just need bright sunlight. And quite a bit of water. They take quite a bit of water as well. So I would leave them outside or in your porch as long as you can. Once it starts to get cold and danger of frost, then bring them indoors. If you can give them the same exposure, southern exposure, western, wherever they've been growing, bright sunlight is really important. You can prune them almost at any time. Uh, They tend to get big and bushy outside. So you can prune them before, just as you're bringing them indoors. 
What you want to be careful about is bringing in a lot of insects. So you want to give them a really good hosing off with water, clean them up really well before you bring them in. They often have white flies, uh, maybe aphids on them. So make sure they're clean when you bring them uh, in the house. Okay. 651-989-9226. I do see a line that's available if you want to use it. Sandy in Roseville is next on the phone. Good morning, Sandy. Hi. How are you this morning? Good, thank you. What's your question for Mary? wondering about moles. I have them running through my gardens, and they're really into my oriental lilies right now. Is there any way I can get rid of them or dissuade them to go someplace else? Well, yeah, moles are, yes, we've had this question so many times. They're looking around for insects and grubs, like Japanese beetle grubs, uh, in the soil. So they'll tunnel around looking around for insects in many different areas, and they can disturb and damage uh, plants at the same time, although they don't really eat plants, they eat insects. Uh, The most effective way is a big trap that you put down to actually kill the mole in the runway. And most people don't want to put that down. It's a very dangerous thing to have around children and things like that. So uh, other times you can discourage moles by uh, stomping on their trails, uh, putting uh, uh, shovels and so on in their trails to kind of divert them. But it's just really a difficult uh, thing to control. Fortunately, they'll go away if there isn't a lot of food uh, in where they are. So it's or, tough, or, tough to give you a good answer. But you're Sandy. right. Uh, those traps are uh, kind of ugly to deal with. but. Yes. They, they work, and the other thing is, like you suggested, is you have to get rid of their food supply, possibly. Yes, yes, that's right. And so usually they're, they cause the most problems in lawn grasses, and they're usually that's where the biggest source of uh, grubs is. So hopefully they won't be there too long, uh, Sandy, and they'll just move on. Okay. Let's see what the texture screen says here. do 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 um I have some large arborvitaes that are overgrown, I would imagine, overdrawn. Over the winter, the branches started to group, drop, probably, or droop. Droop. That's a group. We've got to learn to spell ourselves again uh, from the weight of the snow. Can I just cut off those, or what should I do? Yes, you can prune arborvitaes. Um, it's a little iffy right now with the pruning. I like to wait till things are really dormant. Uh, another uh, month or so, and then you can do pruning. Uh, maybe you want to prune those to use for your uh, Christmas decorations around your house. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, when it's totally dormant in the winter is a good time to prune them. And, yes, you can prune them quite a bit, as long as the branches if near the base and so on still have good light. This texture wants to know, can I spread wildflower seeds now? Uh, wildflower seeds, I think this person's thinking about a dormant seeding. It's a little bit early to do a dormant uh, seeding. So the idea of putting out the seed in the winter so that it, it in the freezing and thawing, it gets down into the soil so that in spring it will germinate more quickly. So it's a little early now to do dormant seeding. And right now, if you seed it, they might start growing and be more susceptible to winter injury. So I would wait to do a dormant seeding till we get to about a month from now, toward the end of October. I've had a little success doing that uh, the past year or two with uh, grass seed, dormant seeding. Oh, when dormant it gets, seeding? Yeah. Yes, it's the same thing. We, mm-hmm. we are asked more about seeding grass usually than yeah, seeding wildflowers. True. But yes, uh, the turf grass uh, folks will recommend dormant seeding, and, and you want to put it down late enough that it doesn't germinate yes. and then it gets ready for the spring.
Ruth in River Falls, I believe, is on the phone for you, Mary. Go ahead, Ruth. I have this flowering crab tree that's been in my yard for about 42, 43 years, and my husband was never one to prune. It's big and tall, but it's also the kind that starts dropping its leaves shortly after it flowers, and right now it's, like, stripped. And I'm wondering if it's time to cut it and start over again. Yes, I think that's a good uh, thing to consider. One thing, the, the reason most people are growing crab apples is the flowers in the spring. So if you haven't been impressed with the flowers in the spring on this particular tree, then yes, you certainly could consider cutting the whole thing down and putting in a different type of flowering crab. So there are flowering crabs that are resistant to the apple scab, which is what is showing up on your tree and why it's defoliated. There are some uh, cultivars that will not get apple scab and are very pretty, very by color white, uh, pink, etc., so we have a brochure on this. I think I, there were ended up with 13 crab apples in Minnesota resistant to apple scab. And you can find that on the uh, Yard and Garden website uh, under extension.umn.edu. Uh, so the, you want to look for a disease-resistant one before you uh, replant. Good idea. Well, let's take our quick break here. We have more show to come, about another half hour as a matter of fact. So if you want to call in your questions for Mary, 651 651- 989-9226, or send a text. We'll get back to those, too, at 81807. Right now on CCO, it's 48 degrees. We'll be right back. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show, brought to us by By the Yard Outdoor Furniture. We'll talk about that great uh, family-run business in just a moment. If you're just joining us, thank you for doing so. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota Extension is with us, helping you out. And as usual, Mary, we have callers, we have texters, but you and I were talking when we very first you walked into the studio about the, the good stuff going on at the Arboretum now, this time oh, of year. Yeah. It is really my favorite is, time of year. Fall is so beautiful at the Arboretum. And, of course, there's the Apple House. We can buy apples. Uh, we have the Minnesota introductions that are out there. A uh, wonderful time to see the Apple House and the pumpkin harvest. The pumpkin and squash harvest oh. happened this past week. Hundreds and hundreds of pumpkins. So we have a pumpkin house. We have huge scarecrows. Lots of fun things to see just as the fall color starts to turn with a beautiful maple. So tremendous place to visit, take a walk, take a hike. Um, beautiful it really uh, scenery is. at the Arboretum. For family, friends, uh, yourself, uh, the, the, the easiest way to get there is what? West on Highway 5? West on Highway 5, just of west of the intersection of 41 and 5. Yeah, so you'll see the big signage there. Yeah, it's a great place. 651-989-9226. There's a line open if you want to use it or send a text, 81807. Texter says, uh, now, should I do the lawn, mowing the lawn now, I presume, uh, short or tall for winter months? How do you leave it? I don't know what Sam would say. <laughs> Where is Sam? Yes. No, Sam would say, uh, I, I think, still uh, around three inches is still yeah. what we like. Uh, so a little bit longer, but not so long that it bunches up and you want to keep mowing it. That's the amazing thing is that uh, the lawn does continue to grow in the fall. The soil is warm. Uh, it forms a lot of roots. So we want to keep uh, the leaves off it so that the leaves aren't matting it down and continue to mow. 
We could be mowing for another month. We could easily. Sure. That's right. Last year we had the the latest fall frost uh, ever with the largest, longest number of growing degree days. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Folks have been waiting. Barb is calling from Columbia Heights. Good morning, Barb. Hi. Good morning. What can we do for you? Um, My question is about two years ago, um, some friends gave me some raspberry canes from their raspberry patch, some extra ones, and there were about six or seven. And we planted them next to a fence in a sunny spot of our yard, and they started growing like crazy and sending out a million runners. And so the runners that came like out into the grass and things, I would take them out, and I've been taking out the canes that look dead or aren't looking very good or something like that. But now there's probably 50 canes, and I don't know... (laughs) I don't know if I should just thin it out. I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. I just kind of feel like it's overwhelming. Yes, raspberries are are great growers in our climate, and what you should do is thin them out, uh, depending on what when they bear. If they're the traditional bearing kind, or if they're fall bearing, does um, is a factor in how you prune them. But you can thin the canes out so each cane gets adequate light. You can cut the canes back by a third, so you're cutting them uh, so they're not so long and scraggly. And then you can also cut them in uh, some type of a formation so that they're not so uh, widespreading. We do have a lot of information on pruning raspberries on the website, so you can go to extension.umn.edu and uh, click on fruits in there, and you'll find the publications on uh, maintaining raspberries. Give us that, okay, uh, the website the again. The website again, extension.umn.edu, and then click on garden, and you'll see uh, fruits and vegetables there, and then uh, you'll find the raspberries. You can also search for it by putting in growing raspberries or pruning raspberries, extension UMN, and it will come up. Take you right there. Yep. Thanks, Barb. Brian in Minneapolis is on the phone uh, for Mary Meyer. Go ahead, Brian. Hey there. Great show today. Thank you. I have a problem that I've spoken to a couple other people about, and no one can give me an answer. Um, I've got some shrub roses. They're about 12 years old. And about five or six years ago, uh, and it's happened every year since, uh, they come up in the spring, and they start blooming. And right right about the end of June, the leaves start turning kind of a beigeish-brown, and then the, the flowers dry up and fall off, and the leaves fall off. And then about middle of July, they start blooming again, and then they're fine for the rest of the year. So I, you know, I don't know what that might be. Yes, I'm not sure what that is either. So the best thing to do would be in June when you see that brown coloration come and the plants are starting to die back, it, it uh, either send a plant or take a picture of the half-dead, half-alive foliage and uh, send it to the Ask a Master Gardener website. Uh, you could even take a sample into the plant disease clinic at the university. Uh, that's more expensive, but that's how we do the positive diagnostics for what is uh, what might be a fungal disease or something. Uh, it might be something specific to the type of shrub rose that you have. We know the shrub roses are the hardier ones. They're not as affected by winter temperatures, but there still are a number of uh, diseases that they can get. Uh, powdery mildew is one, uh, black spot, and so on. They're, and and as you say, they're not killed by this, but uh, they're disfigured somewhat. 
So it might be specific to the cultivar that you have. Uh, they're, they're obviously living through it, but they're not doing as well as they should. So I'd consider getting a different uh, type of rose to add more diversity uh, to the group that you have as well. All right, Brian, thanks for the call. Uh, go back to the tech screen. Uh, here's one that says, what's eating my mom's leaves are all gone and a sticky mucus on top. you have any idea, Mary? Gee, I'm not sure what that is. If the leaves are gone, it's probably some type of an insect that's eating it. Um, but usually you can see those when there's a caterpillar or something there that's that's eating the leaves. But at this point, the insect may have already uh, left left the area. So um, I would inspect it really well for uh, for insects. Uh, maybe try to wash it off with insecticidal soap or just water sprays to remove any insects that are there. Uh, the sticky substance is often something we see from uh, from aphids or scale insects as well. There are insects that will excrete um, uh, honeydew, and that makes a, a sticky substance. So what I would try washing them off, inspecting really well. If you find any insects, then the key is to identify the insect. Mm. That's funny you should say the thing about aphids. This texture says this, last week I thought I heard you say, or heard on the show, uh, aphids cause black sticky sap. We have a lot of basswood trees in the yard and neighborhood. This spring there was a large quantity of what we thought was sap coming down from these trees all over our deck, patio furniture, potted plants. The neighbors had similar issues with sticky black goo all over their white siding. They said they were told it was aphids. Is that correct? If so, what causes it? We've lived... In this home, 28 years and never experienced this before. The trees themselves have never looked any worse for the wear. Yeah, that's true, um, and that's what that is. It's the ex- uh, excrement or um, just the honeydew coming out, sap coming out of the uh, the aphids. And yes, if you look closely, you can see that uh, there's some native basswoods that uh, are right beside my house. And yes, underneath them is a lot of black, and on the leaves themselves are black. Yes, it is not uh, fatal at all. It's just a condition where there is a huge uh, population of aphids. So we don't recommend that you use any chemical sprays for that. The plants are able to live through it. Uh, if it's it's a problem, it's most problematic where you just describe when it's on a deck or an area that's uh, under you. You might consider pruning some of the branches of those trees so that the branches themselves are not directly uh, above your deck. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Phyllis is calling from uh, Edina. Phyllis, you're on with Mary. Um, Good morning. morning. I have spirea in a um, terrace that they're about now probably getting close to 10 years old. And this is the first year that they really are stringy. Every year I cut them down to the ground so they start fresh in the spring. But they just sprouted only a few branches and they're real long and just not real attractive. Yeah, so you can do pruning on that. I would wait until the plant is totally dormant to do the pruning. But, yes, you you can prune them in the winter. Right. Here's something I have yet to do. A texture says, is this a good time to aerate lawns? Well, I'd say yes. I, I'm still planning uh, that. I don't know. Is it, what do you think? <laughs> yes, I think, yes, it is still a good time to do this. Uh, the prime time for aeration and seed sowing uh, we have just passed that because uh, mid-September, mid-August to mid-September is the prime time. So you're a little late for seeding, but you still could do the aeration. Uh, that will help the grass plants that are there. Yeah. All right. Very good. 
Uh, Texture says, we live on an extremely clean lake and don't want to use any fertilizer or blanketing weed killer on our lawn. What's the best way to get rid of cre- uh, Creeping Charlie? Is there a clean pre-emergent for the spring instead? Uh, it's unlikely that that will work for you. Uh, pre-emergence w- will kill seedlings and seeds, but most of the uh, Creeping Charlie is coming back from roots, so you have to kill the plant itself. Uh, I am not familiar with any organic, uh, non-chemical weed control that works satisfactorily for Creeping Charlie. Um, so we we talk about having a healthy lawn in the first place, uh, healthy growing conditions for the grass so that the grass can out-compete uh, Creeping Charlie. Um, if you you might consider how much you need to have a lawn there, if you want to do a ground cover, something like lamium or something else that will grow in the area, that where you won't have to uh, worry about uh, mowing it if it's not the best uh, situation for a lawn. But um, other other than uh, the pre other than the uh, uh, broadleaf weed control, which we do recommend in the fall for creeping Charlie. Um, I, I don't have another uh, option. Uh, you, you guys have always said that this the fall is the best to, to fall, apply that. Fall is a, a good time for uh, killing Creeping Charlie, and it's the time when the grass will grow most vigorously. So you can try removing the Creeping Charlie and planting uh, grass seed. It's, it's getting late to plant grass seed now yeah. this year. Mary, we have to take a quick break. We have more show to come. So don't go away. We've got uh, more textures, callers to help out as well. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. And before Mary leaves us uh, today, um, we'll get you that website. And don't forget 10 Plants That Changed Minnesota, <laughs> that book that, uh, Mary, who was your uh, colleague in that? Oh, Susan Davis-Price. Susan has uh, written three or four other books about history in Minnesota. She's a, a retired librarian from uh, St. Thomas. Oh. So, good. yeah, she was a great uh, writer. She wrote most of the book. I did a lot of editing. Susan did a lot of writing. All right, well, everybody's got the chip <laughs> yeah, in. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Group so work. pick it up if you can. All right, let's uh, get to see how many folks we can help out before you take your leave today. Ross is calling from Eden Prairie, I believe. Go ahead, Ross. Thanks for waiting. Good morning. See, I just cut down a row of pines that were slowly dying, and I'd like to plant a couple uh, ornamental trees in uh, in the area where they were. Do I need to be concerned about the soil, given that those pines had probably been there for 20 years or so? No, I think you're thinking about will the soil be too acid from the conifer uh, foliage. No, yeah, that's not really a consideration. Uh, it's great that you're planting new trees. I would think about planting diversity. Try not to plant uh, just one kind, but plant a diverse uh, species. All right, very good. Thank you, Ross. Jean in Minneapolis has been waiting to ask a question. Go ahead, Jean. Hi, um, we're back to raspberries again. I have beautiful raspberries ever bearing. My fall crop is affected by spotted wing drypsophila, which gives them a worm. Are you familiar with this? And have you got any, I mean, I'm trying a few things, but I'm trying not to, yeah, diatomaceous earth was suggested to me. Yes, this is a very difficult problem uh, across the United States now. This is a very, very small fruit 
fruit fruit fruit fly like insect, and the larva gets into the berries. It's very very small. It's really obnoxious. So there are some preventions. There are some traps that you can put out. Uh, the directions for making these traps to get the insects to actually come to the traps with vinegar is the best solution for a home gardener. So uh, getting the traps out early, be on the lookout for this. There's also some other netting and things that you can try. We have those recommendations up on the Extension website. So extension.umn.edu. If you Google the spotted wing Drosophila, Extension, Minnesota, you'll see the recommendations there as well. Okay. Let's see who's next. Uh, Al in Maplewood has been waiting. Go ahead, Al. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was wondering about uh, applying a herbicide this time of year. If I put that on now, would it be would it uh, take out the weeds, and then I could plant grass in the spring, or is it too late to do that? Uh, you could do that. The only consideration is that if there's nothing there, you and and you have a slope, you might have some erosion. But the fall is a good time to. Uh, kill a lot of weeds that we have uh, in our lawn, in lawn areas. So, yes, you could do that. Okay. See who's next. Then we'll get some text messages. Bev in Invergrove uh, is on the phone. Go ahead, Bev. Thank you. Hi. uh, I wanted to know what causes mildew. I I went through that with the impatience, and now it's spreading to my peonies and to the flocks. So the downy mildew that's on impatience is a devastating disease. Uh, Mildew is very specific to individual plants. The powdery mildew that you see on flocks now is actually different and and not uh, fatal and devastating. Those are kind of ubiquitous diseases that we have that are, they're just always with us. Plant something other than impatience or plant the disease resistance impatience next year. The New Guinea ones, and uh, there are some new ones that are, won't get that mildew. With flocks, um, that's just a reoccurring thing. We try to provide the best air circulation. Right now, I'd recommend that you cut that flocks down, uh, get rid of the, the um, plants that are covered with mildew because sanitation is one of the best uh, preventatives. Probably on your peonies, that's botrytis. That's probably something different. But there again, once that turns, they turn uh, black and discolored, you can uh, remove that foliage as well. There's a text question, Mary. Is it too early to cut down my hosta and my ornamental grass? Yes, I I think it's too early. The hosta is pretty much, they're still green and growing. I wouldn't cut those down. You can take off the... the, Flower stalks, if those uh, are um, uh, bothering you, you can take those down. Grasses are just coming into uh, looking the greatest. Uh, gosh, at the Arboretum, it's a, it's a peak uh, season right now. We, we actually have an open house coming up out mm. there on October uh, 10th. I'm teaching a grass class later this month. So this is a peak time for ornamental grasses. If for some reason your plants are not looking so good and they're totally brown, you can cut off brown growth, but anything that is still uh, got some green in it, uh, you should still leave. And most people enjoy the grasses uh, during the winter time. They provide protection and, and habitat for birds and uh, yeah. other uh, insects. Texter says, "Can I save seeds from zinnia flowers and use next year?" Yes, you can do that. Uh, zinnias. Uh, 
are easy to grow from seed. They're a seed that I've saved for years as a kid. You might find over time uh, your uh, assortment of colors and diversity goes down as you're saving the seed. Uh, Sometimes it's difficult to tell what the color of each individual flower was when the seed's brown and you're collecting it. So you might want to uh, buy some new after a few years. But, yes, you can definitely uh, save seed from zinnia. A texter says, how about when to repot a root-bound hibiscus? Well, the hibiscus, I assume you're probably going to bring that indoors. You could do that now before you bring it indoors. Uh, You want to uh, take it out of the pot, get some new potting soil, have your pot ready. And if it's really root-bound and all you see are roots in there, you want to make some cuts, uh, pull those roots apart so that the uh, where you injure it, where you make the cuts, that will rejuvenate it so it will grow out into the new pot. Well, we are just about out of time. Mary, thanks. Great to see you. Always good to see you. Great and, to be uh, here, And congratulations Jenny. on that wonderful <laughs> book called 10 Plants That Changed Minnesota. It's you can get all, it anywhere, right? You can get it anywhere. It's all about preventing plant blindness and helping people appreciate plants. Oh, it's a great book. Thank you. Great to be here, Denny. And we'll see, I'm sure, in a week or two uh, when you come back. Again, quickly as we head out the website. The website, extension.umn.edu. Click on Garden for all your garden questions. Excellent. Thanks again, Mary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.